and welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, we didn't think we'd do doing another podcast uh, before the new Premier League season starts, uh, but here we are. My name's John, I'm with Mike. Uh, hi, John. And uh, we're nice and bright and breezy today, because uh, yesterday, your mum was very happy, Mike, <laughs> yesterday, wasn't she? Absolutely brilliant. I have to say, we watched the uh, we watched the playoff second leg, Bournemouth against Brentford. What a game it was, quite yeah. apart from anything else. It had absolutely everything. Um, and I was once when Bournemouth went ahead. I was like, right, I'm just going to settle into this now and enjoy Bournemouth being Bournemouth because this is going to be an absolute masterclass. And and so it and so it transpired. Look, I can't dress it up. I'm delighted Bournemouth have crashed out. I think it's very much a case of what goes around comes around. My thoughts on them are well documented. I don't think I'm alone. Certainly in the Watford fraternity. But one person who's even happier than me was absolutely mum. And I cannot thank everyone enough. For the messages that came through on Twitter, so let raise a glass to Mike's mum. Hope your mum's happy, Mike. <laughs> I sent them all to her, and she's absolutely buzzing. She finds it absolutely bizarre that people sort of know who she is and stuff, but she absolutely loves it. So that, so thank you to everyone for those messages. Um, but yes, literally running around the garden yesterday, shrieking <laughs> with delight. What goes around comes around. She said, "Justice." <laughs> Well, it was. Well, let's see what happens there. But this this isn't about what's happening. You know what this podcast is about because there was a title. I always like trying to be mysterious in these opening bits before we do interviews. Like, who could it be? It was Scott Duxbury, the chief executive and chairman of Watford Football Club. He's been at the club uh, since the, the Pozzos took over in 2012. And... You know, he is the man who is, is part of the day. He's the day-to-day running of, of our football club. The, the club got in touch and they said, would you like to speak to him? And we said, yes, please. <laughs> we'll, we'll speak to Scott. I mean, what we absolutely jumped at the chance, obviously, because it's been a, as we all know, a tumultuous time for Watford, for a football club, for football in general. So to speak to someone who's been at the coalface throughout that time, trying to steer the ship through the sort of rocky terrain of the pandemic, of uh, relegation, of trying to get back. It was, it's, yeah, really, really excited to hear what he had to say and sort of interested and perhaps a little bit nervous to hear about what he might say about how bad things were, how difficult it was, how difficult it's going to be. Jumped at the opportunity. We've spoken to Scott before, so we're hopeful that, you know, he's very straight with us, very honest, very open. So, yeah, a, a fabulous opportunity and one we were not going to pass up. Yeah, we spoke to him, I think it was after two years. It was the second year um, of the Pozzos uh, you know, being at the club, so let's say 2014. Uh, and, again, we met in the same pub, the Gate Pub in, in Chorleywood, and it was fantastic to, well, firstly to speak to Scott, but also to be in a pub, yeah. uh, which has been a while. Uh, and it was a fantastic opportunity, especially at this point, you know, as Watford are, have just been promoted through that tumultuous year uh, and ahead to the Premier League. And we really want to sort of find out about lots of things, uh, about where the club is uh, and how safe the club is, you know, because of the financial difficulties there is with relegation and with everything that's been going on. We want to speak at the players, uh, and you know, is there a were mistakes made, or were lessons learned uh, in the last couple of years of the of the Premier League, and and what can we expect in terms of going forward? Uh, and and generally, we just wanted to find out about Scott, where he's at, where his headspace is at, uh, and what we can expect. But on Thursday, uh, Mike and I went down to the uh, the Gate Pub and had a chat with Scott Duxbury. Scott, how how is it being? a CEO of a football club at the moment. Everything's fantastic. It feels like the last seven months have been a, a blur and it never happened and we're back in the Premier League. So no, it's, this, is, uh, this is as good as it gets in football and it's, uh, it's been an enjoyable past couple of weeks. I bet. Well, how, how did it compare though? Like you, you've, 
you know, in the, the nine seasons I think you've been here now, two promotions. How did this one compare to 2015? This one felt more important, more dramatic, more everything. I think with the backdrop of a pandemic, it was affecting everybody. Uh, you know, and I don't want to in any way diminish the, the horrible nature of, of, of what the pandemic has meant for people. It hurt this football club. We couldn't have our supporters with us. Uh, it felt soulless. And then on the back of that, we're relegated. And I think uh, I mentioned previously, you know, you felt so alone. You didn't have the supporters there to help push us back. Then you have the financial consequence of relegation, of COVID. It's well documented. EFL clubs are in huge difficulty because of the, the financial abyss that the, the lockdown has created. So all of that was at the start of the season. It was like, it just felt so important. We had to get back. Otherwise, things could just start to unravel. The squad we'd, we'd created, the club we'd, we'd created. Uh, and so it just felt hugely important. I think the first time we got promoted, it was, it was just an adventure. No one knew what would happen when we got there. But it just feels like we're a Premier League club now. It's not arrogant. It's not. It's just the reality. We were there in the Premier League for five years. We'd built something. And it just felt like what we'd built may start to crumble if we didn't get back at the first attempt. And to do so is just so satisfying and just feels great. It was their point, though, you know, last summer, so the, the depths of the depression of we've been relegated and then also the fact that everything was going on. Did you ever feel like you were, had any hind hindering you before you could even start the season, start doing what you sort of needed to do? I mean, the, the, the obvious answer to that is, is the finances. I mean, you've, as a five-year Premier League club, you've got a, a lot of financial commitment and you lose over 100 million of revenue by being relegated. Then you don't have the fans with you as well, both the financial consequence of that and the emotional. So that was the biggest hindrance. You know, how, how do you plot the way forward financially, both to make sure the club is sustainable and then competitive. I was speaking to a, a few clubs last week who have uh, unfortunately been, been relegated and it's difficult to even think about being competitive. The, the, the first port of call for them is let's make sure we're sustainable. Let's make sure as a, as a, as a club we're alive. Once you've achieved that, then you look about being competitive. And so that was the biggest balancing act in the, in the summer, making sure that we were there, we were alive, and then we were competitive to give a, a charge to get back to the Premier League. It's a really difficult balancing act. I get called the negative one. I call myself the realistic one. So I want to just press you a little bit on just how bad things were in this situation. The pandemic, no fans coming through the door. We've been relegated. You mentioned finances as if it's just sort of like a catch-all. How bad was it for Watford Football Club? It was bad for every club in the EFL. Watford isn't, isn't the... the, the the exception, it, it, it was a, a, a tough environment. We had the benefit of the parachute payments, but equally we had huge Premier League contracts that quickly absorbed the parachute payments. Then you don't have the revenues, and I think it's been well documented, the, the assistance that the EFL was seeking from the government through loans. So it, 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 it was tough. It was tough. Where we had an advantage was that in the summer we could generate a lot of sales through our loan network. So we generated over 55 million of player sales with players that hadn't actually played for us. It didn't technically hurt us, but it allowed us to financially have that bedrock to then concentrate on making a team competitive. So there was never a stage where, I mean, obviously you were 
pan I'm never, never going to say you're panic-stricken professionals. Don't get panic-stricken, I understand that. But worried about the future of Watford at any stage? I know we, we managed to, to make those sales and there was money coming in, but was there any ever, ever any concern? As Watford supporters, we, we look further down the line. We knew, my son started coming now, he's nine. I want to know what it's like when he's going to be there and what Watford's going to be like when, he, when he's 40, like I am. Was there ever any fear about the future of Watford? No, no. I mean, uh, that's been our, 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 our mantra from day one. I think you said we've been here nine years, you know. We, we, we've, we've, we've built a sustainable football club. Sometimes that can be frustrating because you know, the supporters want us to sign a player and we won't sign that player because it, it's, not within our, it's not within our financial remit. You know, we're a sustainable football club and that's whether we're in the Premier League or whether we're in the, uh, in the Championship. It's just that this, this was an exceptional year for every single football club business individual to, 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 to face what everyone has faced and Watford is no different was just particularly challenging but there was never a moment where the club was 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 in danger and that that's the that's the tenant of our of our ownership that you know we're a sustainable club and we will we will we will cut our cloth accordingly we'll be competitive but within our own resources i can't help myself i'm going to ask another negative one so we managed to we managed to get through it what would it have looked like had we not gone up and we can be quick on this one but just to satisfy my morbid curiosity if watford hadn't got promoted back to the premier league what would you know? What would the, the outlook have been? It wouldn't look as good as it does today. <laughs> to the extent of, I don't suppose we need to worry about it. But could we? What would Watford have looked? Because I think what I, what I'm kind of getting at is whether Watford supporters we feel kind of like we're back in our rightful place a little bit. We've only missed out on a year of, of Championship football. The fans yeah. weren't there to see it. It feels a bit like an, an anomaly. Yeah. But it could have been so different, couldn't it? And we could have been going back to Championship football and I assume a very different squad and a very different outlook. I think, I think our right wing would have looked different. <laughs> but did you feel, though, with the financially, let's, let's wrap it off, uh, with everything that's gone on, do you feel that you, you're looking at things differently in terms of preparations for another nuclear event that almost happened you know, with, the, with the pandemic, that you're looking at things differently and you're preparing yourself for maybe not the same thing again, but hardships let's say it's a good question i think the reality is unless you're top six i think every team outside the top six maybe seven or eight could be relegated at at, at, at any given time i think there was a stat yesterday that said that the team that finishes second in the championship usually statistically stays five years in the premier league and then is uh, relegated which you know we were we were absolutely bang on with uh with, with that stat so long last we conform to a model absolutely <laughs> absolutely so if you enter a competition knowing that at some point you could be relegated then it makes absolute sense to make sure that you have a squad and a business that can deal with that eventuality and i think you know we talked about lessons learned i think maybe we started to lose our way a little bit in year five with our dna signing established premier league players on huge contracts and you know, we've always been about getting the, 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 the top young players that will come through. So signing the Richarlison and then he moves on, you know, whereas we were signing the Richarlison that was the established Premier League player. And that's not that's not who we are. So I think now we're going to go into the Premier League with a very competitive squad, a really strict and rigid wage structure with young, hungry players, complemented with a, a, a few senior players, but should the worst happen at any given point and as I, I repeat for any team it could happen that we are then able to to go down keep that squad together and we don't have to have huge restructuring 
because finances uh, dictate that that's what's required. So I think that's a huge lesson that we we absolutely will, will, will implement and make sure that we have that young competitive squad that we believe will keep us in the Premier League for many, many years. But if an event happens, we're absolutely fine. Do you think that was one of the biggest reasons that we ended up getting relegated? Do you think it was the, the type of player that we signed or the, the state of the squad? What, why did it happen? There are many, many pieces to the jigsaw as to why we were relegated. You, you, external events, <laughs> there was, there was the, uh, the pandemic. How big a part do you think that played in? I think it played a huge part because I think we, we got momentum with, with Nigel and then that was ripped apart from us. Against Palace, Saar absolutely had COVID. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't run. It was a, a, a real problem game for him. A few weeks later, transpires, that's what he had. COVID, when we did Project Restart, really affected Nigel. He's gone public and documented that. You know, he, it really affected his, his, his ability to, to operate. So I think on every level, COVID affected uh, the, the club, not, not least the, the stop-start nature of, of where we were. We just beat Liverpool 3-0. Yes, we go to Palace, and then it's, it's over. And we have to stop, and we start again. We made mistakes. You know, the, some of the decisions we made with the manager and appointments of the manager were wrong, clearly. I think the squad composition, we started to lose our way and were, were, were signing so-called established Premier League players, uh, which meant... Players like Jao Pedro never kicked a ball, which is not what we're about. Pedro should have been uh, allowed to, to progress. I mean, I remember, much to my dismay, the Arsenal game, watching it back, the, the last game of the season where we were relegated, and the commentator said, who is this guy? He's incredible. Not, not seen him all season. And you know That's because the, the players we brought in that stopped his progress was wrong. So, you know, undoubtedly, we, 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 were, part of the, we were part of the mistakes. And we've learned from that. But I, I genuinely believe that had it not been for Project Restart was an entirely different competition than what we commenced. We didn't have our fans. It was a completely different competition. Had it not been for that, I think we, we, we had a, a better chance to survive. Do you think had we, had we got away with it, and I think that probably would have been what it was, getting away with it in the end, do you think we would necessarily have have learned what we perhaps needed to learn because for me as a, a supporter looking in as you allude to the squad didn't feel like a Watford squad that we got used to someone that's really playing for the shirt or playing for um, you know knowing they're going to have two or three seasons and then move on it just felt a little bit like you allude to that they're coming in big money pretty certain they're going to get another contract somewhere else so had we stayed up is there a danger that we would have carried on down that route do you think yeah i mean i, I always like to find a positive in every situation it's just the into my yang scott love it <laughs> <laughs> no but it but but but, but it, it it's true and i i think you're right and i think you know that maybe that's i mean people always said that in year one it was too too early for us to go up uh i said it, you know, it's never too early to go up. but again maybe they were right maybe in year one we had lessons to learn we were you know we only had three stands as a as a stadium and we needed to to develop and it's it's the same here i think I think we, we lost our way a little bit. I lost the way a little bit. And we need to go back, back to our DNA. And, you know, as a club, I, I think we're quite remarkable. You know, forget what we've done off the pitch with the stadium, with the stadium and how we look. But the amount of events that we have created for supporters of Watford, for, you know, a, a relatively smaller club within the Premier League, it's incredible. So, you know, we've had two promotion events, probably the best game in domestic football against Leicester in the, in the playoffs with the, the Deeney goal, the, the knockout penalty miss. 
We've had the Wolves semi-final, Delefeo coming on and turning the game. We've beaten Liverpool three. These, this is what football's about. You know, it, it, people make this too much, too complicated. It's about putting smiles on people's faces and having your young children be proud to support this football club. And what we've created over the past nine years, all of us, supporters, the, the club, everybody, is wonderful footballing moments. You could support a club, I won't name them, but clubs in the Premier League who are mid-table and they've been there for many, many years, they haven't had the events that we've had. They haven't had the occasions where you go home and generally smile and life is better because of what you've just seen. And that's, that's what we're about. And what I'm rambling to and trying to get to a point is that I, we've always had players that have believed in that and have been part of it. Dela Feo was at Barcelona, one of the greatest players. He loved the club. He was here. He felt it. He was annoyed he was on the bench. He came on, showed what he did against Wolves. And, won it. and you want players here that understand what this club is, because this club is different than other clubs. You know, we, we talk about the community, but if you go to the training ground, this is a wonderful club. And the players are treated superbly. We play great football. And as a player, you have these events. You know, you've, you've played in, against Liverpool and won 3-0. You've played in an FA Cup semi-final. You've played in an FA Cup final. You've played in a playoff final and playoff semi-final. It's incredible. that, And this is what you want the players to embrace. That this isn't just a football club. This is a club where you can actually achieve things and put smiles on supporters' faces. And if the players get that, then half the battle's won. And I, I think we, yeah, there is a club there that they can easily buy into because it's, it's something like that everybody wants to be part of do you feel that there's a, there's a point though that the type of players you want to attract there's a limitation how long they should be with us before they move on to somewhere bigger they come to us they do some great things for us we can support them in developing further did, did, do you think we ever kept players too long Completely. Or, we, or we haven't given opportunities to some you mentioned you know about Joe Pedro but you know with others who maybe we should have given them a bit more completely and he goes back to, to, to lessons learned I mean part of the, the technical and commercial development of this football club is that a player will reach a point where it's natural he leaves and we get the transfer fee he moves to a, a club where he can have a different project the transfer fee allows us to improve the, the squad whereas sometimes I think towards the end of our like the final year the year we were relegated we kept everybody we refused bids for Duke Ray we brought we thought okay if we keep everybody keep this squad together then of course we're going to prosper but sometimes the natural evolution of the squad is and what our principle is we should have moved those players on don't fall in love with a player if it's the right time and it's the right transfer fee we take it and we then have this evolution and we bring in new players who are hungry committed ready to take the club forward and i think we started to lose sight of that a little bit and we kept everybody together resisted bids perhaps that wasn't the right thing to do i tried to put myself in your shoes a little bit on that one because to me it felt Post Cup final, it felt like that squad. Hindsight is twenty twenty, of course, but it, it, it felt like some of that squad, their time was up. Either they wanted to move on, uh, they'd done their bit at Watford. Did you? Did an element perhaps of worrying about what the fans' reaction would be if, say, Decore, Delafeu, Pereira, they all walk out the door at the same time? Don't walk out the door. They're sold. They're moved on. It might be what's best for the club, but is there an outcry from the supporters? Is there a, is there a risk that you see as lacking ambition because you let all the supposed best players go? Is that something that plays on, on the club's mind? Yeah, listen, the politician's answer is no, we'll always do what's best for the club. But of course, you know, the player's reaction is important, not least because it's important, but also it then also transcends to the, the, the squad. 
if the play, if the if the fans are thinking, ah, oh, the club's lacking ambition. What does the dressing room think? So it, it, it's all one of the same, and you don't want to send a signal to your supporters, to your your dressing room, that you lack ambition. But I think it's a mistake. I think as as long as you're clear that if the transfer fee is correct and the time is right for that player to move on, the, the question is, who are you bringing in? That is the most important question because you bring in somebody else that freshens it up, that drives the football club forward, and I think. I think the FA Cup final is uh, it needs a lot of examining because I think I think it was a, a, a real turning point where I think everybody I mean going to an FA Cup final should be a thing of joy. You're playing City, okay, you can lose, but there's losing and there's losing, and you know I still try and I had one of the most proudest moments in that in that final, the fact that they, they I recorded it, so I just record, have a record it, recording the whole thing. And the Watford fans are all there. They're all having a good time. Having that moment, they know, look, this is, we are not going to be here. We're going to have a lot of time. And in the very faint background, you hear them score the fifth goal. Yeah. And it didn't matter. And like, the Watford fans didn't dip and then go back up again. They just kept going. So I think even though it was bad, they had their moment. But that's my point. It was superb. And yeah, I was sat behind Prince William. Prince William was there next to Gino. And Prince William turned around and went, Mike, the Watford fans are incredible. The noise was superb. And on the day, I think we were we were we were the real football club. City fans were just okay. It's another win, so be it. I think we we, we were superb and gave gave ourselves so much credit. But I'm still trying to find the emotion that I can look back and be proud that we got to an FA Cup final because it's still an amazing achievement. And I still it still hurts the nature of the defeat. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that at some point we can just look back and go, no, we got to an FA Cup final, an amazing semi-final, and we got to a final because it, 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 it was a big achievement. And I think the hangover effect for the squad, for everybody, for Javi, was immense. And we went into that season losing the opening four, four games. And it's, to me, it was, it was quite a pivot and, again, a mistake. We didn't react to that. Maybe we should have analysed the squad. Maybe there was players moving that we should have done. We, 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 we should have maybe reacted a little better to, to that huge disappointment. I'm a football supporter, so by default a smart-ass. I've got another theory on players coming to Watford, and it strikes me that some of the players that Watford have got and succeeded with are players that have perhaps struggled elsewhere or there might have been an injury. Their career trajectory might not necessarily have been as they'd have hoped, effectively allowing Watford to, to grab them. Yeah. Players that ordinarily Watford might not have been able to to get is managing players like that very very difficult whereas there must be a small kernel within these guys if they played European football they played in European Cups they played World Cups and they think I've ended up at Watford you know I've, I've loved Watford more than you know more than a lot of things so I'm not putting them down but you know you know what I'm getting at they just think you know how have I gone from Barcelona for example to, to Watford from Roma to, to Watford is that difficult to to manage that when they think right? They, are they always looking for for the next out? C- can they ever really um, fully buy into Watford? Is that something that's that's tough to manage? It's not tough to manage, but it's it's essential. You get players that that want to be here, that understand what we offer. And you know, Delafeo, you, you, you alluded to him, but he wasn't playing at Barcelona. He'd been out on loan, and he saw the training ground, came to us, understood that he would be an important player for us and loved every moment he was here. Now, they are the exceptions, though, kind of players. You want to build a team around young players that really feel the club and want to be here, want to be playing. And if you get that, 
and I think, again, lessons learned. It seems to be all about mistakes. This. <laughs> Maybe towards the end of our final year in the Premier League, we had assembled a squad that perhaps wasn't quite as focused on Watford as the squad that we assembled in the Championship. I mean, you, you look at Trustekong and Siralta, you, you can see they, they love being here. They love the club. And those kind of performances are a direct result of the fact that they, they want to be here. So it's a balancing act. And But you absolutely... I would put the commitment to the club higher than necessarily the technical ability. You need both, but if you get that absolute passion and dedication, it speaks... We, we've had players with huge technical ability. We, we, we can name them that have just been absent, that haven't really quite done it, because it, you have to have that focus. And again, I think we saw it, because for me, this championship... I was looking, you know, it, it sounds crazy, but it's almost like an unremarkable season. There isn't one game where you think, wow. You know, I, I can still name in the first year where we played Huddersfield and we did all the, the, the 15 passes and it was incredible. We were just so professionally efficient in this, in this, in this campaign. Yeah, we beat Bristol 6-0, but everything else was just a matter of 1-0, 2-0. We were just super efficient in this, in this campaign. And, that's because we just created a, a team that was totally focused on the football club and totally focused on the promotion task. So l- last lesson, and I promise, <laughs> did we have an issue with character, with some, with some characters in the club? Did some of them not have the bollocks, quite frankly, to, to want to help Watford get over the line? Absolutely. I mean, without naming names, the, the, the team improved significantly when a player left who technically was one of our best players and yet his departure improved substantially the morale the team everything in the changing room and that's it, it, it's quite a sobering thought when you and, and you understand that that the, the the team and the the sum of its parts is so much more important than perhaps an individual who technically on paper you go wow he improves our team but his departure made us better so do you think that will, it's obviously going to be a busy summer. Um, we're grateful for you giving up your time. You probably need to be on the phone sealing a couple of deals, I've no, no doubt. But does, is that going to inform more perhaps now, in, inform your decisions more than it would have done, say, if we'd have stayed up or two years ago? I don't know how much you can to have a deeper dive into someone's character, but really having a, a prod at them and say, find out what you're made of when the, when the sticky stuff hits the fan. It's vital, but I think it's also shown our approach now this summer. So... You know, Chisco staying as head coach, all the team around him were just as important as, as, as he is, and he will completely endorse that. So we, we're keeping with that. And where we can, we're, we're, we're keeping the, the, the squad together. It was pretty much a Premier League squad that came down. We kept everybody. And what we want to do is, is keep that team spirit, keep that, those, those personnel together. Those players that want to be here, there will be some. I am sure that have ambitions, they want to play elsewhere, and if they don't want to be part of the Watford project, no problem. Uh, move on, we'll, we'll bring people in that, that want to be part of it. But where we can, we'll keep this team together, keep that team spirit, keep that momentum, and we go into the Premier League where we left off in the, in the Championship. Some of the, the changes, things you've already talked about, like we've seen in the press, is the, the change of, you know, at the academy, there are going to be changes. Is that going to be a change in how Watford are going to be perceived? When people define what Watford Football Club is in terms of the players, 
they, they, they generate, they always say Troy Deeney, you know, that's the first name that always comes off everybody. They mention Delafayu, they mention the, the, those sort of individuals, but they don't sort of give a character for Watford. Do you think, they, what, what is this character going to be? Is it important to have a, a pathway, for example, from the academy through to the first team? You know, we talk about Watford DNA, I think we know what that is. We've been around the club since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. You've been around long enough to understand how important it is. And we all, within WD18, we know what it is. Does everyone else, and is that important to us? And, and do we, and is that a is that a pathway to success? Developing developing that. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really complex question that will will need a complex answer because you know the DNA of the club is is, is more than just bringing a, an academy player through. Uh, it, it's more than just about creating this team spirit. Like for me, for instance, this season what summed up and it's easy to say because you've been promoted what sums up the dna of the football club is the work we did in lockdown with the hospital you know that is what the dna of this football club is uh with regards to all of the staff not being asked volunteering to do that work for the hospital provide all that support and then the players phoning the supporters at home during the lockdown that's the dna of the football club and then when you get the squad together in the championship and you have Sir Alta who is at Udinese you have Trusty Kong okay father-in-law a Watford fan that collection of players together that is the DNA of the football club and it's very difficult to explain it's it's how they performed as a team there wasn't particularly one individual it was it was that that team spirit that 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 moral identity that is what football club and then the academy fits into that. The fact we haven't managed to develop players coming through is something that we are addressing because it's not essential from a technical perspective. It's just another part of what our, of what our core principles are, that we're absolutely focused on the community. We do the support for the hospital. We are there, the players speaking to the supporters. Part of that community is if, you, if, you, if you're a young boy in Watford, you should be in our academy and you should be coming through and playing for Watford Football Club at some point. And the restructuring that we've recently done with the academy is to try and try and address that, to make sure that our community focus, the one thing that I think we haven't done well is the academy. And that's, that's why we're, we're addressing that. But it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a part of the bigger picture of what, what Watford Football Club is. They're on the academy then. There have been a few... The- staff movements is this a is this a sort of does this herald a new dawn if you like is it is this a a serious tilt at um having more academy players in the in the first team when when john John and i first started doing the podcast this was 10 years ago 11 years ago now i think academy graduates were having to play through necessity now we enjoyed that because of all the reasons you just mentioned there it's nice to know that local lads are training locally coming through and pulling on the yellow shirt and on the terraces it's you know, he's one of our own. It's great to be able to sing that. Times change. We Watford have different needs at different times because of the, the Premier League. So things seem to be changing at the academy. What is there? A, is there a grand plan afoot? Is there something, or or is it just the natural turn of things? The grand plan is to make sure that every single boy in Watford who has a passion for football, has a passion for Watford, is in our academy and that that we then give them the best possible education, footballing and otherwise, and we develop them. And 
if that is a pathway into the first team, fantastic. But they leave the academy as better human beings and better footballers, and and, and there's that stamp on them. And and I think we you know we haven't we haven't quite through let, let's call it circumstance. We haven't had the focus to to make sure that we are a centre of excellence. And so the restructuring of personnel and the the, the the new people I'm bringing in for the different roles, I think will achieve that. So is it fair to say that at the moment the focus is on making human beings Correct. well-rounded chaps and chapesses yeah. than it is Watford first-team footballers? Yes, but if they have the, the ability, they have the desire, we will create the perfect pathway so that they can then play in our, in, in, in our first team. It's a refocus. It's, a, it's giving it more importance. It's, it's bringing in people who care to develop those individuals and give them the best shot of playing football at, 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 at Watford. And if they, they, if they don't make it, then they leave being better people. And there's that stamp on them that being at the Watford Academy is, is it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a badge of premium, not in any way how we sort of have neglected that focus. Yeah, I think it's worth making that point because I think sometimes people get confused or they don't understand necessarily or they question what's the point. If you know, we've seen um, at the end of May the or in the middle of May the release list. There's some names that people will be familiar with. Moving on, it's kind of like, oh, they're they're not making it. What's oh, that, that was that was a waste of time. So I think it's it's important and helpful to make the distinction, and it's not just creating footballers. It's a whole experience. Yeah, and, whole... And, and again, it, it goes back to the, the whole... I think what makes Watford Football Club so special is that you know, we, we are rooted in our community. And it's not just words. It, it, it's our actions. And again, I go back to it. The academy is, is part of that community. So you know, the restructuring, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say who it is. It's people who understand the football club. It's people who understand what it is and what our role is within the community. So the academy director will be, will be Richard Johnson. He gets the club. He knows what it's like as a as a player, how to progress through into the first team, and then the the head of technical development, who will be responsible for all the coaching, will be uh, Jimmy Gilligan. So I think those two understand the football club, understand the importance of this football club in the community, and they can impart that onto all the kids in the academy and give them a pathway either into the football club, the first team, or into. A, 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 a better rounded human being whether it's football whether it's just education but they get the football club and I think having those two who understand what we're about will will, will quite frankly revolutionise the academy Mike early on tried to drag you into the, the pit of, of uh, five years in the future yeah. being negative five years in the future into the positive what will what will what would be like we talked about the players we talked about the, the DNA the, the one thing that's what been on the, lit, the the minds of many fans is the the stadium, or let's say, let's say the place Watford play football, is that is that how is that going to affect in the next five years? Is it going to be a big impact quickly? Any changes we have? Because we've seen many changes, many changes over the last nine years. Are more changes coming, or big changes coming? Do you think, or are needed? I don't think they are. I mean, I, I'm a very ambitious person, but I think if if you look at if you look at the last nine years. What, what we've achieved as a football club, often on the pitch. And then we, 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 we were tested with the pandemic. And I think Watford Football Club staff responded. And, uh, you know, I personally was, 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 was... I've never been more proud of the football club than in that March-April lockdown and how we responded and, and, and helped the hospital. So 
for me, looking into the next five years, it's, it's just carrying on as we are because we've grown, we've become a, an established Premier League football club the last five years. I know we were relegated and yet we still stayed rooted to the community, rooted to our supporters. We've, not, we've never lost that, never lost that connection. So for me, the next five years is just we, we carry on growing exactly as we are because hopefully within the Premier League, but building that insurance policy with the lessons we've learned that if the worst happens, and it will happen in maybe five years, maybe eight years, if the worst happens, it's not a problem. We go and we think, right, let's win this league and let's get back. You, we spoke to you second year into you being here at the club and you, know, you say things like, at that point, we're going to get into the Premier League. You haven't once today used the phrase, get into Europe. And you haven't used the phrase that you use quite regularly when I see fans forums is being the best of the rest. You haven't even mentioned Premier League. You said staying in the Premier League, but you haven't mentioned in terms of we have these ambitions. Do you think, though, for many fans, that might be a thing they want you to sort of define for them, that they need to know, right, we're going to be pushing for this, we're going to be pushing for that, because there is a massive group of fans who are just all about the, whatever the video printer puts out on a Saturday. It may be, and, 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 and maybe I've become slightly mellowed with recent world events, because for me, the most important thing, do I want to be challenging for Europe and finishing in that 7th, 6th place position or do I want to be in the Premier League the pride of Watford because all of the assistance we've done in this awful pandemic with the hospital, do I want to be hailed as an amazing football club for the initiatives we've done for phoning fans at home players genuinely concerned about play about supporters at home in in lockdown do i want to be proud of the football club more than chasing for europe at this stage absolutely and maybe in three four years time when the world is back to normal and the only thing we've got to worry about is chasing for europe absolutely but for now i'm just absolutely delighted that we're in the premier league my focus is to stay in the premier league but the work that the football club has done off the pitch it's far more important to me than, than, than chasing for Europe. And the only thing now that I, I want in the immediate future is, is a full house at Vicarage Road. Have all the supporters back. Tisco coming in for the first time and seeing 22,000 supporters calling his name. That's more important to me. And the fact I can sit here now and every single one of my staff has the things they have done in this lockdown... There's absolutely no regret. I, I couldn't be more proud of how this football club has responded during what is the most... History will record it as one of the most unbelievable events in the last 100 years. And so chasing for Europe just doesn't seem that important at the moment. You mentioned all, all the staff, Scott, and we know that Watford is Watford because of the people that work there. With that in mind... Was your experience during the sort of tougher times this season uh, when things weren't necessarily going to plan? There was some online noise. There was a particular quote. I thought John was going to try and get you on record there so people could uh, quote it back at you in six months if things aren't, aren't going well. How did that feel for you personally when it felt a little bit like effectively things were being thrown back in your face? That is football. You know, I, I, 
I understand that. It, I'm not going to lie, it, it, it disappointed me because I've always said that when we're together, we're, we're strong and it isn't rhetoric, it's, it, it's the truth. And that was always our strength, you know, as, as a football club. The media were saying, oh, they sack every single coach. All the lone players, our supporters were laughing at it and saying, <laughs> and, the, you know, they were completely behind Gino, completely behind the whole, the whole model. And for the first time, they, they appear to be a discontent. And once that happens, you lose some of your power, you lose some of your strength as a football club as a whole. But I get it, it's football. I mean, we, you know, we were, we'd, we'd created a generation, you know, young children from nine onwards, they'd only known <laughs> Watford as a Premier League football club. And then suddenly you're relegated, so you guys must be idiots. So I get it. All I would say is clearly our strength is when we're all together. And it's, it's such a powerful force. And hopefully we'll, uh, if we haven't got it, got it now, we'll, we'll, we'll get it back soon. So personally then, last year, what was it like overseeing Watford getting back the first time, winning more games than they're losing comfortably? Can you sum it up? From, a, for, from Scott Duxbury's point of view. We're conducting this interview in a pub. <laughs> from the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. First and foremost, thank you ever so much to Scott for giving up his time. We, he's obviously incredibly busy. We know he's busy because <laughs> his phone went on a number of occasions during our uh, chat. Uh, one of them was incredibly notable because uh, it came from... I took. I, forgive me, Scott, I did catch a glimpse of the incoming number on your phone it was a beverly hills number it was elton john um so yeah we we saw sort of um scott duxbury answering the phone hello elton yeah um just incredible but that you know we went on to talk about elton john and just say what an incredible supporter he is how how much he's in contact how often he is and how basically elton john is just like us when it comes to watford he obsesses about every little detail he watches all the football not just watford the premier league the football league and the national league um and he is just like us and i think the reason we were talking about him was because we took he was there at the swansea game and how he was emotional how we all felt emotional um, but yeah, absolutely incredible that we, we mentioned Elton John and uh, as if by magic, his phone went on the other end of the call. We didn't get to speak to him, unfortunately, but we, our focus was on Scott. We'll save Elton for another time. And talk to Scott, it was, I suppose it was really interesting that like, we've got to see him many times over in many years in fans forums. You know, we did the, the club did the online fans forum this year, but it wasn't one where you could sort of see the whites of his eyes and, and, and sort of speak to him directly this year. So it was lovely to do that. Um, but I think my biggest thing was how much he has changed in terms of the way he talks about Watford. I asked him that question about you know how he hadn't talked about we're, we're aiming for you, we're aiming for this in terms of the footballing side. He he was really focused on the DNA of the club and really focused on what is Watford and let's get that right first. There were two big things, weren't there? And I think you're right, there's definitely been a change. The focus hasn't changed because he said, I'm ambitious and that ambition translates to ambition for Watford. You'd expect that, you take it as read. But he's obviously mellowed a little bit, his sort of stance and take on what is important, certainly in the short term, was very clear, wasn't it? The first thing he said he wanted back was a full Vicarage Road Stadium, something that 18 months ago, two years ago, we would have taken for granted and he talked about those memories those events sending people home with a smile that is the focus and that was lovely to hear because I said at the end of the uh, one of the other podcasts going home with a smile on your face or having a smile throughout the game is what football is about that is what it is 
giving you something to talk about, giving you an experience with your friends. And I think for for the CEO, the chairman to recognise that is is quite telling and quite important. A, it shows just what we've been through, because usually you'd find, not just at Watford, anywhere, saying, like, this is our aim, we're going to build, we're going to be stronger, we're going to aim for this, we're going to do this. And that's, that is still the case. But the fact that the... the that he stressed the importance of fans being back, the sort of the, the things that we previously took for granted as being a focus. It's quite nice, really, in this time of this Super League, you know, FIFA talking this week about a feasibility study, study into doing the World Cup every two years, all this stuff about basically money grabbing. And uh, we've got the CEO and chairman talking about how important supporters are and having a full ground and sending people home with a smile on it, on their face. I love that. I love, love, love it. You know, we all we've all got families who are into to Watford and uh, and and friends and people we hold dear. And the fact that that's what the club wants for them to be happy, it is great. And on 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 a more sort of granular, more footballing level, that thing you talked about about DNA and lessons learned from the chastening Premier League experience. One of the ways I think they recognise they're going to send people home happy is having players that want to be at Watford. You know, I pushed him. I was quite... Uh, he didn't have to read between the lines too much to, to, to hear that I was suggesting some of the players I didn't feel were up to it or didn't want to be at Watford. And do we need to avoid that? And I think Scott was unequivocal in saying, yeah. I'd like, I'd like to thank Scott for giving us a little quiz halfway through, for hinting at a player, uh, without naming names, who, who left uh, and made things a bit better. And that was quite good. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a feeling I've got now where I think when I see, you know, these players we sign, who they are, where they're from... I know that there's, it's not necessarily about signing a Premier League established player because, as he said, we did that. Danny Welbeck didn't say it, but I'm saying Danny Welbeck. That was my quiz question answer to, to that. You know, yeah, he was the Richarlison, the developed Richarlison that we, we signed, and it didn't work. And it's great that he learned that because that never re- it never felt for me like, oh, my God, Danny Welbeck's playing for Watford. That, you know, that seems weird. It did seem weird for the whole season, how much we saw of him. So I think when, when signings come in, you know that with Scott in charge, the right sort of people are coming in now, be it a championship-only experienced player, be it a player that's 22 or 35. You know, there's, there's going to be a, a big focus on are they in the right headspace to, was, to be part of Watford? There was one great phrase, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, but I think it was character over technical ability. Yeah. Now, obviously, you're not just going to sign someone because they're a good bloke, otherwise you'd be up front, John. Um <laughs> But character over technical ability really hit home for me because I do strongly feel that there were players who didn't want to be at Watford, really good players, who who just weren't weren't at the races. So if we're signing players who are committed or retaining players, because he'd also mentioned that you know there's a, a possibility that players will want to move on. That's the reality of it. Even though we've got promoted, people will still you know have their own ideas of where they want to be playing, how they ought to be remunerated, so on and so on. It's just the way football is. But we are going to be looking at players that are built right for Watford Football Club. And I think that's so, so important. I think you'd rather see Watford get relegated, giving it 100% than see Watford perhaps get away with it, with players coasting at 60, 65%, always looking over their shoulder, straight on the phone to their agent after every game. And there will always be an element of that. There are always going to be players that perhaps think they can get better. That That's fine. But they need to be, when they're in at, at, at Vicarage Road, they need to be 100% Watford. And I would rather go down with a group of those players than, than a smattering of them. 
and and I think that's very much the focus and I think from my point of view I think that's realigned my expectations or confirm my expectations of what this summer's going to be like you know he's alluded to the financial implications I'm not sure we we understood quite how serious it was I'm sure he, you know commercially sensitive to let on how bad it it potentially was I think we're lucky in as much as we've got good owners and we were able to carry on from the outside looking in anyway well he, he, you know we were able to make to generate 55 million yeah, well, pounds worth from the loan network of players that have never played for Watford was yeah. an amazing place to be compared to the the three other two other clubs that came down with us and everyone else in the championship yeah absolutely so we were I'm not going to say lucky we weren't lucky but we were so much better off than other clubs and it will remain to be seen how the, how much the pandemic has affected other clubs outside the uh, outside the Premier League but there is obviously a financial backdrop that is still uncertain it just feels like we're in a place that we've come to terms with that we've recognized what happened what could have happened and what might happen again in the future if we're not ready on all fronts so if we're not unified as a club if we haven't got a team that is unified and focused on the club and the and the best interests of the club and if we're not financially secure because we might not bounce back next time straight away and there'll be implications there and I think we talked a lot about lessons and I think those lessons are almost all-encompassing. They cover every aspect of, of football, the supporters, the finances, the community and the players. And I think we've learned some valuable lessons. The club have learned some valuable lessons in a very short space of time that will stand us in good stead for the coming future. Because I think the most important thing for me is that Watford's still there for, for Arlo and Eli and their kids and that's what's important that Watford is there and doing what Watford does now the community stuff putting smiles on faces and that won't happen unless we react to the circumstances and I think it sounds like we're in that place but it, I do think it means potentially temper expectations as to who's going to be coming in the door they will have to fit two criteria character and financial they'll have to meet both those tick boxes and there's probably not many of them around we'll see but I think the uh, what you take away from it is there's a slight shift. Humbling is the wrong word, but a slight shift in where football realises it is in the world. You know, a pandemic almost could have wiped out football completely. It stopped it dead in its tracks. When it came back, it was different, and it's still different now, however many months on. So that should have been a wake-up call, and it sounds like it very much was for Watford. And as with all things, it's how you adapt and as with all things, usually with Watford, it sounds like they're adapting pretty well. Yeah, and the other the nice uh, news about the adaption that's already happening <clears throat> is the, the academy uh, with two blokes who know a lot about Watford. Firstly, Richard Johnson, uh, who's going to be the academy director, uh, and then the academy technical director, Jimmy Gilligan. Yeah, I mean, two guys that know the know Watford inside out. Jimmy Gilligan obviously played for Watford in the 80s, played a number of roles since then. Jono obviously will need no introduction to, to, to anyone listening either. And I think it was really interesting to hear Scott talk about the academy and how I think he'd kind of, he didn't labour the point, but he was at pains to point out this isn't just to get the next Harry Kane for Watford or the next, I, know it would be, I guess it would be Tommy Smith or something yeah. like that for us. They don't come along that often. That's the reality but what we can do with the academy is take youngsters who love football and give them an experience that moulds them as human beings, um, helps with their education, helps with their fitness, helps with their football development. And of course, if they do, if we do spit out at the end of that a first team footballer, brilliant. But if we don't, what the Watford, what Watford Football Club and the academy have done 
is delivering an, an exemplary experience for a young person and sent them out into the world much, much better for Watford. And that's what community is. And, and I, 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 I wanted to hammer that point home because it does feel... Like I'm guilty of it sometimes as well. When you lose, you think, oh, I wonder if Sam Dalby, yeah. for example, could come up and score a goal. And you know the reality is obviously that that's not the feeling because he's he's not been he's not been had a contract and so the, do you think well what's the point in the academy then? And Sam Dalby may well go on to have a successful career, but what we can be sure of he's had an excellent experience regardless. So whatever career road he goes down now, he will benefit from his experience at Watford, and that is just as valuable when we talk about Watford being a community club and being an asset. That's the value of the academy as well. So it's an all-encompassing thing that we need to be aware of. The situation has changed, and I think it's brought into acute focus the value and importance of Watford Football Club. And I don't think that's lost on, certainly on Scott, and it, and it shouldn't be lost on us either. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. As, as we said, we weren't expecting to do another podcast. Um, the season's finished. We can all have a rest. And we'll get ready for the Premier League. Um, <clears throat> when, do the, when do the fixtures come out? Mid-June? Mid-June or something like that. Well, well that, that'll be exciting, but we can have a couple of weeks rest. We'll be back in July uh, with uh, some pre-season type podcast to, to start wetting your appetite uh, for the new season coming ahead. Um, but again, massive thank you for Scott for giving up his time uh, to hang out with us uh, and to talk to, to us about well, the questions that we have about the club and, and hopefully they were very similar questions that you have uh, about the club. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Not a problem. Thank you, John. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in July with some more Watford Football Club podcasts from the Premier League.